0: Hello and welcome to the View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in a local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at Highview Church, and today I am joined by the one and only Pastor Golf. I mean, Chad. I mean, my master, masters. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. <laughs> oh, man. Chad, yeah, did you enjoy watching the Masters this last weekend?
1: Um, yes,
0: you did. Who are you so, watching?
1: Sunday at the Masters is my favorite sporting event of the year. Yeah. It's my favorite one.
0: Man, you I, I can just see you holding it's, clubs in both hands and you're just cheering on. Who who who's the like who's the guy you're cheering on or were cheering on?
1: Uh, I like Jordan Spieth. Okay. I like Jordan Spieth. Yeah, he was um, top five, right? Yeah, he and, finished third. Yeah, yeah. See, I know things.
0: Yeah. I know things about stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like Jordan Speed. He he had a he had a rough rough patch for a couple of years, and now he's kind of clawed himself back. So I like comeback stories mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, was was kind of glad that uh, Hideki Matsuyama held on to the uh, the lead. I think yeah, been he had all of Japan
0: on his shoulders. That was really cool. Yeah, he was the first, so. the first man from. Japan yeah, to, to, to ever win.
1: To, to ever win a major. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. Congratulations to him. I remember, so I watched... If you listen, Hideki. Yeah, if you are. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't... If Great
1: job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I'm sure he's a regular. Um, no, I was... Uh, I, so I never really um, saw myself as someone who would enjoy watching golf on TV. Mm. Um, but... I, I really loved it I sat and watched you know for some on Sunday evening and Saturday as well but what was interesting is I remember watching and there was this um other guy you'll have to help me I think his last name is Rose leading by mm-hmm. like Justin nine Rose. strokes and mm-hmm. then I turned my phone off went about my day did some errands came back and then he's just gone mm-hmm. and there's somebody leading by 11 strokes I'm like what what is happening <laughs> what is happening anyway
1: it's a wild it's a wild tournament yeah like it, yeah. and and Sundays are they're, they're one of the many reasons I love Sundays the the final day at the masters mm-hmm. is it's all the pressure makes it incredibly unpredictable yeah what's going to happen yeah and uh it's a really tough golf course and people the pressure they just even Hideki I mean Hideki mm-hmm. went from having this huge lead, he won by one stroke
0: man that's crazy yeah. it just it's, and the second place guy so so was a, a guy playing for the first time Right, yeah, man. Well, if you're still listening with us, thank you for for hanging out. If you, you know, maybe we lost a lot of our listeners talking about golf. Um, but speaking of pressure, speaking of being under pressure, yeah, I got to preach this Sunday. You did, and you did a uh, it wonderful was, job. It's pretty pretty fun experience uh, jumping in our Hebrew series.
1: I'm actually looking forward to. I'm kind of turning the tables here a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm digging deeper.
0: I'm 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 kind of. Hey, Tyler, would you? Uh, I, I have nothing deeper. Just go listen to the sermon. <laughs> as much as I know. Shared everything I got. Um, no, but yeah, this is, uh, we'll be diving into uh, our sermon from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, where we talked about uh, kind of the big idea. Um, we're starting to, to, to jump into some of these Old Testament figures that the writer of Hebrews is going to um, kind of pull out and examine and show how they ultimately compare and contrast but point to Jesus. And so uh, I'm just going to read the, uh, the text for us, uh, just six verses from, the, uh, from Hebrews chapter 3. So it says, "'Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses.' As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and are boasting in our hope. So, uh, this is uh, kind of a turning point, a little bit of a hinge point in the book of Hebrews. We've kind of seen uh, the writer lifting, exalting Jesus already as he talks about him being superior to angels um, in chapters one and two. Um, so what what do you see as significant? Like, why, why do you think the author here jumps from talking about angels to this dude Moses?
1: Yeah, well, you know, obviously, uh, early on in the book of Hebrews, the the writer is addressing Jesus being better than angels simply because there was angelic worship going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there was also a form of hero worship going on, and that was very, very common in, in yeah. Jewish circles. Yeah, um, And outside of Abraham, there's really no one, no bigger yeah. Moses. hero. Yeah. Than Moses, he's the guy, right? Yeah, he's he's the man, man. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting that the author of Hebrews kind of points out and starts unpacking who Jesus is by comparing him specifically, yeah, to people or to beings like angelic beings, yeah, yeah, that Jesus is superior to. So basically, he's like, all right. Angels, Jesus is better. Let me let me show you how. Yeah. Moses, yeah, he's faithful. Jesus is more faithful. Right, right. And uh, so it's interesting that he's kind of doing two things. He's kind of teaching who Jesus is and unpacking a, theolo- a Christology, yeah. right, a theology of Jesus. Yeah. But he's also, at the same time, dismantling their misplaced yeah, uh, affections and, and allegiances to angels and Moses and so on and so forth. He's kinda right. Good, but it's brilliant. It's actually brilliant
0: brilliant it really is and one of the things that i made mention of in the sermon sunday is that something that the book of hebrews helps us realize as 21st century christians is that the bible as a whole is a very jewish book written by jewish people Mm -hmm. to jewish people about things that really have significance to jewish heritage and uh, i think we can lose sight of that because we westernize and modernize everything um, and so what the, I think the writer of Hebrews helps us to do is realize, okay, we're not just supposed to reject Moses to embrace Jesus. We're supposed to realize the significance of Moses as he leads us and points us to God's ultimate mission of delivering his people and, um, showing basically building a nation out of all nations, uh, building a people out of all peoples. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I kind of took away from this because I think it's really easy to try to jump into a text like this and see, okay, he's comparing Moses to Jesus. How did Moses fail? And how did Jesus not fail? But that's not what the writer of Hebrews does. He actually says, Moses was faithful. Like Moses was a pretty cool dude and you, you should not necessarily reject him, but don't place all your hope and trust on the things that he did because they ultimately point to greater things that Jesus did.
1: Was there any aspect of, as you were studying Moses as a type of Jesus, uh, was there anything, any connection between Moses and Jesus that kind of like popped at you or like mm. jumped off the page that you had not really made the connection before? Any Anything new that, oh, wow, yeah, that, that aspect of, of Moses' ministry or life absolutely reflects Jesus or just any, any, any observations? Like yeah.
0: That? Yeah. So, I mean, as I did my research and watched the uh, Prince of Egypt, um, <laughs> 1998 animated musical drama. Uh, no, I, there was, I think a lot that, you know, I, I think I already assumed, obviously the biggest role Moses played was uh, that of deliverer. He's, he's leading people out of bondage, which that's kind of an easy tie in to Jesus's uh, leading us out of bondage to sin and death. Um, but kind of his Moses's role as um, what what ultimately ties to the way the writer of Hebrews describes Jesus as this apostle, the sent one, a prophet, a, a kind of a priest. Um, th- those two roles that he, he mentioned of Jesus, kind of looking at Moses's life and seeing how he was sent to stand by, by God toward the people or from God toward the people. And then from the people toward God, this like intermediary type of figure that he was, um, was kind of, I missed that growing up learning about Moses. Um, I just kind of saw him as the, let my people go and let's, you know, send some frogs and and we'll, we'll, you know, split some waters and all this stuff. Um, but Moses really was a, an advocate, you know, on behalf of God's people and, um, also was this, uh, person that represented the power and the glory of God before the people. Um, so that's something I never really had considered until I realized this comparison being made to Jesus as the sent one, as the one who ascends the the mountain and, and actually is, um, God himself who can fully and finally deliver us.
1: Yeah, that's good. There's a, a particular text in, um, uh, that I thought about, um, when you were referring to, um, you, you, made a, an interesting, uh, comment about, um, Moses and Aaron. Yeah. And yeah. The relationship there. Um, but, but the, so Aaron was the priest.
0: Right. Right.
1: But Moses is this advocate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I thought about, um, the scene, and um, it was a pretty powerful passage for me when I was preaching through the book of Exodus, which is still one of my favorite books that I've ever preached through. Mm. And I think it's the whole series is available yeah. on the have you, have you. TV, dot TV little, little slash service. If you want to dig in, actually, might not be a bad idea if you wanted to go back and listen uh, through some of our Old Testament studies yeah. that we've done, some of our Old Testament books we preached through uh, while we're doing Hebrews, but uh, Exodus is a big one. But in, in mm. Exodus 32, uh, where God is actually says to Moses, I'll just wipe out all these people and yeah. just start over with you. Right. And Moses steps in and says, no. Right. And plays this, like, he's like, no, yeah. like basically remember your promises and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. And, uh, I, I thought, I thought about that when, when you were mentioning and kind of, kind of dealing with Moses particular role as right. advocate figure. Um that uh that's in the book.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I think uh one of the uh the things that stuck out to me too as we were looking at this particular chapter or this particular part of the chapter, and he was saying uh kind of giving this comparison from Moses to Jesus, his command of the people wasn't consider Moses. Mm. You know, look back to Moses, see how faithful he was. Now you go be faithful, like we do with a lot of our character studies of Scripture. Um, This wasn't— Be brave like David. Yeah, be faithful like Moses. Be wise like Solomon. Yeah, exactly. Um, But the the point of this particular section was, uh, see how Moses was faithful. Now consider Jesus. Consider how not only was Jesus faithful, he was faithful like Moses was faithful. So being able to tie some of those comparisons in was really— um, really neat to see first of all how this does kind of tie our, our whole Bibles together into one big story and shows that okay God God has always been in control of this thing. He's he's right. been building this house from day one, which is pretty pretty significant okay. to remember.
1: I, I wanted to ask you, but because you just mentioned consider Jesus. Yeah. And as a preaching point and, and a kind of a, a preaching um tool in the toolbox repetition is a big deal you yeah. you repeated consider jesus a lot i did and i know you did yeah. that intentionally um so tell i i wanted to i want to know one um kind of why you why you repeated that yeah. right? and I, I think I know the answer but i want to give you an opportunity to kind of answer that sure and then two um what what does it really mean to consider jesus
0: Mm-hmm yeah, I think um, when you look at this passage, the command of the passage is consider Jesus. Then mm-hmm. um, everything else is, is an argument for why you should consider Jesus. But it's one of those phrases that I mean, it's the argument of the passage. It's the argument of the book. Uh, ultimately, the the whole point of the scripture is to get us to consider Jesus. Um, and as you know, I was looking through, kind of writing this particular message, I just really found found myself going back to okay, all these the elements of this particular passage are helping us realize reasons or, or uh, why we should consider consider Jesus. Um, but also, it's just one of those statements that I think we need to repeat and ring the bell on. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I mentioned at the end of our sermon uh, was this is what we do as a church. Um, this is why we do everything we do. We preach sermons to help mm-hmm. one another consider Jesus. We sing songs to help one another consider Jesus. We have small groups to help one another consider Jesus. Um, so really, I think that is... Uh, just that's the thing that we do as believers. we're called to constantly remind ourselves and consider who Christ is what he's done, and what why that matters for so us.
1: when you say consider Jesus, you're saying think about Jesus mm. uh meditate on jesus study Jesus what what are you what are you saying there yes okay <laughs> uh, no
0: i I think uh considering Jesus takes a couple of forms uh the first of which uh, I think we should consider Jesus. In a sense of study, like we should know about him. We should know what the scripture says concerning who he is. Um, We should have a solid doctrinal foundation on uh, who Jesus is, what he did, uh, why he did it. Um, But the second piece of that is not just having a solid doctrinal foundation of understanding, you know, all those um, practical things about who Jesus is. But I think we also should build a love for Jesus. We should consider him um, in a way that builds intimacy um, kind of like you know we would with any of our relationships like with our wives or maybe women with your husbands uh, you should go have an ongoing consideration of them not just because I want to know facts about my wife Victoria but because I want to grow in an intimate uh, relationship with her that grows and builds over time um, so I think those two things and we we've said said a lot here at Highview that we need to Know the God we love and love the God we know, right? right? That's yep. that's kind of the the ongoing consideration that I was kind of aiming for, and I think ultimately what the author was trying to get at is these people were considering a lot of other things, uh, except for the one who was worthy of all their consideration. Yeah, seeing Jesus.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff.
0: Yeah. So as we get, kind of get to the uh, the end of this particular sermon, we talked about this. Uh, kind of a, a phrase at the at the end of the text that can be kind of problematic if you read it a certain way. Um, and there's a couple of these throughout the book of Hebrews, right? There's a couple of these contingent uh, phrases where it's like, well, I'll just read the one from our text where he says, basically, Jesus is the builder of this house. We can we can jump back to that imagery in a second, but um, he says, we are his house if we hold fast to our confidence and are boasting in our hope um so that was one of the things as i was starting to study this particular passage i was like okay what what does that if mean he says you are his house if you do these other things so is that telling us that there's a lot of conditions to that we have to meet in order to be brought in to the house or to be part of this people that that god has built in jesus um what, what do you think, when you read those type of passages, What what's your first thought when you see something like that, like a contingency you know, toward God's promises, it seems like?
1: Yeah, um, I think you did a good job explaining it. I, I think that um, there's a sense in which everyone in the household of God is a child of God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another sense in which there are people who are inside the household of God, at least the visible church let's sure say, yeah who are actually not right they're a shaft right. among wheat kind of thing mm-hmm. and actually um you know that you're referring to that passage there uh at the end there in verse six in chapter three mm-hmm. and in the passage i'm going to be looking at this coming sunday yeah just a few i mean literally just a few verses down uh verse 12 take care bro- brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living god yeah. So apparently, there are people who are in the covenant community uh, who are not true children of God, mm. who will manifest that they will show they are not. To borrow uh, yeah. First John language, uh, they went out from us because they were not of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, not they became not of us because they went out. Right, right. But they were never of us to begin with. And that's a really key point. You don't, um, and and we'll, we're going to get into this in the coming weeks, but I think that being able to hold that tension between, uh, yes, uh, everyone who is truly born again is a part of God's household and is therefore uh, eternally secure and will persevere. Yeah. Uh, also, there are people that you look around and see in the visible church on this earth um, that appear to be children of God who will manifest that they are actually not right, by right uh, by falling away. And so, yeah. Um, and actually this book deals with that concept quite a bit. Right. And um, there, there's quite a bit coming up that we'll be dealing with.
0: Yeah, that and I, I think that, that you're absolutely right. That is a, a really key theme of this particular book because he's addressing people who have claimed Christ who right. are then drifting away into all yep. these other things. Yep. And so he, his warning is, hey, listen, there's going to be evidence if you're, Remaining faithful to jesus you're going to hold fast to that confidence and you're going to continue boasting in that hope that you already possess That's right. because you're a part of this house no doubt um, one of the the illustrations that I actually cut out I was going to use um, my my wife and I have been watching Downton Abbey mm. recently uh, it's a show i've never really um, never really watched uh, until we we've watched it recently um, but there's this concept kind of throughout that particular show where you get this dual life in this one house it's the the downton abbey is the house and then you have this family that lives there that have the, kind of all the rights and the privileges as the royals that live there then you have this other group of people that live in the house but they're all subservient you know to the house they're kind of on a different level than the family of the house and there was one particular line that stood out uh, to me from one of the guys that was on the or that was on the servant side that was walking around and saying, "Look, all these wonderful things that we get to live around, but none of them belong to us. Mm. All these things within our reach, but none of them are ours." That's kind of the the thought I had is like, "There's there's plenty of people who." Why'd li- you cut that? I I don't know. I I should have. It's <laughs> really good. I know it was just a, a lot that uh, I, I'm enjoying the director's cut. Though, I mean, yeah, like. <laughs> this the, the extended edition, <laughs> four hour sermon. That's the, basically what digging deeper is. It's, <laughs> exactly uh, the director's commentary. Exactly, but there but there, there is that kind of. Uh, the imagery made sense to me, and that there's there's a difference between those who just kind of live in and around the church that they would say, right. oh, all these things are." We can enjoy the the vision of these things around us, but that's they're not so enjoying good. the blessing of, of actually being a part of the house. Yeah, that's so good. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I think a a big a big key thing. I'm, I'm glad we're going to continue. Put that one that. in your Evernote. And yeah, uh, come back to it. Come back sometime. to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks to my wife there for. It's the, good for, uh, for us watching Downton Abbey together. Um, yeah. So the other thing is this, this imagery of the house that I thought was pretty big. Um, we kind of just addressed it there, but Jesus being this builder of the house. And uh, one of the big things that stood out to me in this particular passage is he kind of throws in a parenthetical thought there, um, where he says every house has a builder, but the builder of all things is God. Um, which I immediately jumped back to chapter one, where he says this son that's now speaking is the radiance of his glory, the very imprint of his nature through whom he made all things. Uh, so ultimately the writer of Hebrews is reminding these people that this Jesus we're talking about is God. Right. And he's building a people for himself. And if you want to stray into these other things, you're not just building this other, you know, religious resume that you can, you're, you know, you're straying from God himself. Yep. And one of the things that I thought too, I was like, I wonder if these these particular Hebrew children had the the opportunity to talk to Moses. What would he tell them? Like, would he tell them, "Oh, you know, you know, what, you should go back and consider my laws"? And no, he'd say, "You're missing the point, guys. You're missing that all that I did was pointing to Jesus." He'd tell them, "Don't be scared of Barney. Don't be scared. No, <laughs> look, let go of your let go of your earthly heroes. Like, yeah, he's just a dinosaur." Yeah. That's right. He's now he, well. Whoever that particular guy was in that day um, was terrifying uh, to me, at least. If you got to listen to the sermon, you know that. Uh,
1: I dropped an Easter egg. If, if you yeah, listen go to back. the sermon, you <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, that was uh, worst day of my life. No, <laughs> no. but um, if
1: you want to hear about one of the most traumatic experiences Tyler ever went oh, through,
0: shaped who I am. Listen to the introduction. That's it. That's it. Well, the last, uh, last thing we talked about in light of this kind of warning toward us who trust in Christ, who claim to trust in Christ, to build this, this faithfulness to him as saints. Uh, we talked about a couple ways that we can build this relational, um, intimacy with Jesus that flows out in faithfulness. So I want to kind of hit those again, as we wrap up this podcast. Uh, the first thing we talked about is faithfulness flows from a clear focus on Jesus, and uh, again, coming out of that main command of the passage to consider him, to build a doctrinally sound understanding of who he is, but not just so that you know a lot of information, but so that you can build this intimate relationship with King Jesus, with the builder of the house, with the God of all things, uh, which we can have if we trust him and follow him faithfully. Um, the second thing was that we, you know, faithfulness involves choosing obedience based on trust in God, and uh, this was another particular, like it flowed from the, the, the flow of the passage where he says, you know, Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him in all things. Moses was faithful uh, to the one who appointed him to all the things he was called to do. Um, so really, I think that flows into us as well. If we're going to be these holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling, um, we must also have a, a desire for obedience to the one who's called us, to the one who has sent us into the world as well. And then that ultimately concludes with the third thing, which was faithfulness grows from an encouraging community of faith, um, which I think we all know that we desperately need. Uh, we need to have people around us who are continually calling us to consider Jesus, to point us back to the one who really truly matters. Um, so pursue those things. Pursue, yeah. pursue a church that, that constantly preaches the truth that you know, guides you and guards your doctrine and helps you believe the right things and also love the right things about who Jesus is, uh, but also calls you into faithful, obedient living. Uh, those are the things that he's worthy of as we consider him. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening with us today as we uh, took this uh, deeper dive uh, into the sermon from Sunday. We hope that these have been helpful to you. Um, I know that we always enjoy getting to dig deeper into scripture. So we want to provide resources that help you do the same. Uh, But if you're enjoying these, make sure you share them with a friend. Uh, If you're listening on a platform where you can give us a rating and review, please do that. And we will see you in the next one.